Hi friend, do you ever need to create marketing materials easily? Whether you need to make flyers or artwork for your blog, your podcast, or any number of different things, check out Canva. Go to findyourflow.com forward slash Canva. That's C-A-N-V-A. I've been using the free version of Canva for many, many years, and I recently upgraded to the pro version, and it's awesome. So go to findyourflow.com forward slash Canva to learn more. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Find Your Flow radio show podcast. I'm your host, Winston Wittes, and I'm here today with a very special episode. Today's episode is How to Build Your Brand. How to Build Your Brand. This is a very exciting topic, something I personally love to talk about and do in my own personal brands and with the brands that I have worked with. And I'm excited to share with you some insights in the thousands of brands that I have worked with personally over the years, some of the things that are great for building your brand, some of the things that are not so great when building your brand. So let's start off in this particular episode with a little bit of background for who I am and why this is potentially something you should listen to and take some advice on. So my name is Winston Wittes and I have published over a dozen books about different topics particularly related to flow. That is mind flow, body flow, spirit flow, social flow, and cash flow. Before I got into writing and publishing books, I have done many different kind of entrepreneurial activities in my life. I grew up in a somewhat entrepreneurial house. My dad was a business owner, and my grandpa was a business owner, and my aunt and uncles are both business owners, and my mom was very much an entrepreneur. She would set her heart on doing something, then she would go out and get the education to learn how to do it, and then she would go and get paid and find work doing it. So I grew up around that kind of atmosphere, that kind of entrepreneurial spirit. And I saw my mom go and become a professional hair and makeup artist and build a living doing that. And then when she wanted to focus on more commercial aspects of her hair and makeup business, she started getting into more commercial magazines and TV, hair and makeup, and doing some really neat things with celebrities and people in that field. And from her, I learned a trick or two. I also learned from my own business, one in particular was Level 3 Records. Level 3 Records was my record label and event production company that I started in December of 2003. I started it when I moved back down to San Diego from Northern California And it was an opportunity for me to really establish myself as a music producer 
and an entertainer. I became a professional musician years before that, while I was still in high school. And I performed throughout high school. And actually, I started performing back in middle school, but I didn't become professional until high school. And I didn't really take it to the solo level until after high school. Throughout my career as a musician, I learned the value of branding and building a following. Because when you're trying to fill seats or sell tickets, having an impactful brand is crucial. People need to recognize your brand and know that it's going to give them a certain level of experience. And that's what makes them trust you and your product or service. That's what makes them feel endeared to your product or service. And this is especially important if you are in an industry or in a market that is saturated with people trying to do the same thing. How do you stand out? How does your product or service different? One of the key things that you can leverage to differentiate yourself is your brand. So back when I started Level 3 Records, I was trying to make it as a DJ in the nightclub scene in Southern California. And I had already been involved with the underground music scene since about 1999. I wasn't promoting events myself yet, but I had been going to events around San Diego and Los Angeles and Orange County as a participant. As a participant at these underground raves, we, my, my friends and I, began to recognize certain party promoters, event promoters or companies that threw really good parties. And because they had that reputation, their brand was trusted. And that was very important because oftentimes we would spend a significant amount of money on tickets and on gas and on party favors and clothes and whatnot to go attend these parties. And if it was a lesser known event promoter or brand, there was a real possibility that that person could just disappear with all of our money. There was a possibility that the party could get busted by the police and we would all have to go home early. So learning about building a reputation in a brand became something that I kind of started doing by accident. But then when I became an event promoter and I started building my own DJ brand, I realized that I had learned some very important things. So I created a catchy logo that I loved and that other people recognized that I could put on all of my marketing for my events. I would put it on my flyers. I would put it on my CDs that I distributed around town and on my website. Then as I grew into other markets, outside of the nightclub industry, 
I kept my same brand for a while because I figured I already had momentum and already had so much goodwill with my brand. What I didn't really realize was that people in the corporate world did not know my brand because I was so targeted within the nightclub industry. So essentially, I had to now begin introducing my brand to a new niche or a new market segment. So for some of these companies, I began by sending them a newsletter with my business information listed there and my credibility. If you want to learn more about how to boost your own credibility, you can look in the Finder Flow book series or one of the cash flow books about credibility and the podcast episode titled Credibility. With building my credibility in this new niche in the corporate world, I was able to quickly build an identity because I had certain key aspects of my business that were dialed in and professional. I had my professional logo. I had my professional business license to do business in my city and state. I had a professional business email address and website. And that means not a generic Yahoo or Gmail email address. It actually said Winston at Level3Records.com. I had t-shirts with my brand, and I had marketing materials. I had business cards that were professionally printed with my business information and my logo. I had a credibility packet, which I discussed in that other episode as well, and that included past businesses that I'd worked with, the contact information from those venues, so I provided referrals which boosted my credibility. I also included my experience as a musician and a sample CD of the type of music that I could play for them at their events. And then I would also talk about in my letters to that business owner the type of events that I could help them put on. Over the years, I developed fabulous relationships with many business owners and I got in through a referral from my brother with a marketing representative from one of the major mall outlets in Southern California known as Westfield Malls. I got the chance to do an event at the mall for this huge company that also brought in all of their leases from their venue, from their mall, to be able to showcase their products at this event. So I had the opportunity to network with many business managers from some worldwide brands that you would almost certainly recognize. One of the amazing things that I learned through that experience was that even though these are big, famous brands, at the end of the day, they are still people that are behind the brands. There are real people who are responsible each and every day 
for making a good impression on behalf of that brand. So, for example, I worked with LensCrafters, a company that creates glasses for people. And I worked with the manager of that particular location to craft a particular promotion and promote it at this live event. I worked with companies like Victoria's Secret and a chocolate company, Divina Chocolate, I think. And I worked with California Pizza Kitchen. I worked with many other companies in this capacity, being able to help them promote their products and services through live events. And what that allowed me to do was take my brand and put it right next to these multi-million dollar brands as a result. Because now my brand was responsible for being the face of my own company and also temporarily in that capacity as a marketer, as a master of ceremonies, as an event producer, to be the face of their companies temporarily. So they were getting an endorsement from me being the person hosting the event, and I got the reputation as being professional and good at what I did in helping them look good to their potential customers and their past clients. So it was a win-win, and it elevated my brand in the eyes of everyone involved. As a result, I was also able to use that experience in my marketing and my publicity for my future event. So I could then go to the next mall and say, hey, I worked with this mall manager and worked with these brands and these companies and we had a successful event and I would be happy to help you do the same. Well, wouldn't you know that all these different marketing managers from all these different malls all get together on a regular basis to meet and discuss their numbers and what's working for their locations, and my number and name would get passed around because I would provide, again, my professional branded business cards and branded materials, and by word of mouth marketing, I would start to get referrals. And before I knew it, I was working with almost all of the Westfield malls in Southern California doing events for them and all of the brands associated with their locations. So I got to work with the biggest brands in the biggest malls in Southern California. And in part, in, in some of them are the biggest brands in the world. I got to work with companies, again, like Best Buy and other fabulous, amazing companies as a result of this. So my brand was elevated because of my association with these other brands. So can you think of a brand that is already established that you could support in some way? Could you seek to serve that brand? brand owner or the marketing manager or their team in a way that would be win-win? Is it possible to put an event on together or share the marketing costs of an ad or 
would it make sense for you to provide free samples to their mailing list in exchange for the, the possibility of earning business from them blasting your brand, your product or service out to their people? This is a very common strategy that can work very well because you're now borrowing their credibility, the trust that they have with their mailing list and their customers. And of course, you have to earn it. Most people or companies who have earned that kind of trust and built their brand don't want to just blast out a product or service that they don't fully trust and that is not a good fit for their brand. So being sensitive to your potential partner's brand and their taste and their likes and dislikes is really important. Definitely do your homework before approaching anyone for these kind of opportunities because you don't want to make the mistake of reaching out to someone and not understanding their mission or what their brand is about. That's a quick way to lose trust and credibility and blow your shot at working together. Spend the time to do your due diligence about that brand, who is the marketing manager, who is the face of the company, if they have any kind of celebrities that have endorsed it. Learn as much as you can about that brand where do they advertise is another great thing to look into because that's going to tell you who their ideal target market is. If they're marketing on a certain social media platform, follow them on that platform. If they are advertising in a certain magazine, buy that magazine. Read the articles. See who else is buying this magazine, who else is on that social media platform and jump into the conversation, jump into those communities to really get a feel for the conversation, the challenges, the hopes and dreams of their clients. The better you do that, the better you understand what their target market is expecting from them, from their brand, who they're serving, the better you will be able to align yourself with that brand. With your own brand, there are some things that you want to avoid. So let's talk about the do's and don'ts of branding, starting with the don'ts. I have personally worked with thousands of startup business owners, entrepreneurs, investors that have started their brand and gone out into the world hoping for success. Some brands are great, some maybe not so much, and some are horrible. Some of it, a lot of it, can be very subjective. So this is not to give you my personal taste so much as some general things to be aware of when formulating your brand. The first thing is clarity. Does the name of your company, the name of your brand, 
make sense. If you tell it to someone, do they get a sense of what you do? Or do you have to really explain it to them? One company that I can think of had this name that the owner thought was great because it was clever. And when she shared it with the group, none of us knew why it was clever. I happened to be in her target market for the kind of company that she was operating, and yet I had no idea what the name had to do with anything. She had to explain it. And then I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. But the problem with that is if I had seen an ad with that name or had heard someone talk about it in passing, I would not have had any clue that it would be something I might be interested in. So a lot of times when we're developing a brand, we may be associating it with a specific service, such as a plumbing company. So we might be called ABC Plumbing, okay? Well, I know exactly what that company does, right? Or maybe they are a dog walking company, and it could be your best friend's dog walking company. And I would know that that is a dog walking company. So the title, the name of the company, the name of the brand has something that is very descriptive of the service. That's very common. And if you are ever wanting to protect the intellectual property of your brand as a service, then that is one of the things you want to look into. This is not legal advice. Of course, you want to consult an attorney when you're looking at protecting your intellectual property. These are just some general guidelines and thoughts on the topic. If ever you wanted to protect the name of your service company, then you would be putting in your marketing material that kind of identifying wording, such as plumbing or dog walking. I, for instance, have Find Your Flow Publishing as one of my services. So I could put the letters SM as in service mark behind Find Your Flow. Find Your Flow would be the trademarkable or service markable part of that business name. Now, the brand itself is maybe just the find your flow, but because that is just a general term, it doesn't have that service connotation. It doesn't really tell you what it is. So that's where you need to be aware of who is your market, what is the brand that you are selling, what is it doing? So for instance, I've worked with many home building companies, construction type companies, home improvement slash investors. And so they will often use a phrase like property solutions 
in their title. So Happy Days Property Solutions, Happy Days Home Solutions. And that lets us know that these people are working in this industry. They're doing real estate type stuff or home improvement type stuff. And their name is Happy Days. I am walk, I'm driving and I see a sign that says Bubba Jeans Restaurant underneath. So the restaurant lets me know, oh, they serve food there. That is their service. Bubba Jeans is the brand. It's the name. But Bubba Jeans on its own, I would have thought was a clothing company. So that's the kind of thing we can be aware of. I just passed another sign that said casitas. Casitas in Spanish means small houses. Well, I don't know what that has to do with anything. But then I saw underneath that casitas home furnishing. And then they had the website casitashomefurnishings.com. And now I know, oh, okay, so they're not selling little houses. That's the name brand of their company that sells home furnishings. So that is some ways you can start to think about your brand. Does the title tell your prospective client what you do or what you are about? <coughs> Logo. A logo is an essential part of building a good brand. Logos don't have to be the end-all, be-all. Sometimes people get obsessed with them, and they never come up with a good one, and they never get their business off their ground. That is an extreme situation, but it should never stop you from doing the business. You should definitely do the work to find a logo that you like. And in many cases, I have found that good is good enough. Find something that will allow you to start putting yourself out there into your market and generating leads and business. The logo itself generally will not build the business for you. That's another common misconception. And I've seen times where people have invested a lot of money to get a logo and never put in the work to build the business. So logos are important. They are important for building our brand, but they are not generally the business itself. If we are going to start a clothing company, for instance, the logo is cool, but we have to still get that piece of that design out there to the world. We still have to be able to market it and we still have to be able to accept the money. We have to understand, have the team in place to put it out there to grow the awareness of that brand and to associate that brand with whatever feelings that we are trying to give the person who aspires to buying your clothing brand. Why should they care? Is it just because it looks cool? So it's a piece of art, not necessarily the brand that they're buying into. What does it represent? How can we tell the story of what that brand, of what your brand represents? And how does someone find your brand? 
this is where we need to be clear about who is our target audience, who is our ideal customer, and what is their pain point, what is their pleasure point, what are they trying to accomplish in life, and how does your brand solve that problem for them. The better you get at answering that question, the better you'll be able to create a brand that speaks to what they want. When we're talking about logos, there are different ways to get logos created if you're not particularly artistic yourself. One way that works for many business owners is by going to a website like Fiverr.com and being able to find a designer on that site and hiring them to design you a logo. You can give them some ideas about what you're looking for and maybe they get it perfect. Maybe you get some rough drafts that you like and take to yet another artist to refine your vision. Another route is to go to a site like 99designs where you pay more money up front, but you get many more designs to look through and that can really help if you're not quite sure what you're looking for. And then there are free options, like TaylorMade, which is a website where you can answer some questions, pick through some of their options, and they will actually use AI technology to design a logo for you for free. And this can be great to get off the road, uh, up and running quickly. Once you have your logo, it should be relatively clean and easy to read. And ideally, you want to get it in a few different generic or general shapes, such as a square, such as a rectangle, and such as a circle. The reason you want to have some different shapes and different versions of your logo, maybe one version without any words, maybe one version with the logo and the title of your company is because when you are branding yourself online, there are going to be different sizes that will be acceptable for different locations online, such as your profile picture or the background of your website or the favicon of your website. So that's the tiny little icon on the tab of your website when someone has a browser window open online that way they can see the browser tab that is yours for your company and recognize it it's a very tiny little graphic usually 40 pixels by 40 pixels so words will not be legible so if you have a good logo you can shrink it down to that size cut out the wording and it will still be recognizable even at that tiny size. But then on your website, you may have more space available in the menu area on the upper left-hand or upper right-hand corner. But generally, you don't want that to be coming down too far because that will take up very precious real estate, virtual visible real estate on your website. So you probably want to have a more horizontally aligned type of 
logo in that space. So that way you can still see your logo and the title of your business. And then there will be other places where maybe your logo and the title are featured and that might be on the front page of your credibility packet or on the outside folder of your credibility packet. And so you may want a circle version or a large square that includes the logo and the written text name of your company. So ideally, you want to have several different versions that you can use between your different sizes and shapes that you'll be using when branding yourself in your marketing materials and online. You may also want to consider the colors that you will be using in your branding. Different colors have different meanings when it comes to branding and when it comes to credibility. You can find this kind of information online, but some general guidelines are blue, Wario Blue specifically generally leads to And so you can have red to get someone's attention. It is more urgent and exciting. And there are other things associated with other colors. When you decide on the colors that you want your brand to be using, you can start to develop a color palette. And if you're working with a designer to design your logo, this is something that they may be able to help you with. Once you've got the color palette of your logo figured out, you can take those same color codes and put them together in other ways for your other marketing. So for instance, your website, your flyers, your uh, social media. And now you're using those same color schemes in all of your marketing pieces and that really builds your brand and your overall credibility. So you may have the font that is the header as one color and then the font that is the subheader as a, another color in your color palette and then the background color would be another color from your color palette. Ideally, you want to keep your color palette and the codes for those colors so you can give them to designers in the future so that you can use them when designing any of your marketing going forward for your brand. Font templates. Another element similar to the way we might develop a color palette is a font palette or a font scheme. And when you are publishing marketing materials such as flyers or such as your website or any kind of publications you may be doing, you want to be able to use the same fonts consistently and not have to guess. Sometimes this is unavoidable because if you're switching between different platforms or different applications, you may have one font that you use 
that is not available in a different application. But oftentimes you will see that there are similar fonts and you can learn which one is good for one application and how you can recreate that on a different application using a different or a similar font. It's a good practice to not use too many different fonts or fonts that are too crazy different. There should be some kind of overall all, overall theme for your font. You also generally don't want to overuse any super cheesy type of font. If a font is very unique, it can be overdone sometimes. So just be aware of that. There are some fonts that are good for print and some that are good for online readers and for shorter publications. Sans serif, meaning they don't have the little lines at the top and bottom of the letters, is generally acceptable for shorter blog posts and shorter articles. But if you're doing any kind of print or longer reading type of content, then serif fonts are generally better used. So I hope you can appreciate that this is a great way to quickly and easily develop a brand and a voice for your brand. Once you've figured out your logo and your color palette and your font palette, you now have some consistent pieces of strategy or technique that you can use throughout the creation of all of your marketing pieces. You can also invest in a program such as Canva. There's a free version and you can also see the paid version and use templates that are pre-created for you to help you quickly get your branding going. Once you have done a publication once, such as a newsletter or a door hanger or a sales letter, you can reuse that template for your future marketing to save time and energy and to keep your branding consistent. You will also be able to upgrade in Canva if you are switching the same logo or same kind of format into different sizes and you want to do that quickly, they do have a pro version that will allow you to save a lot of time and energy switching between different size pieces of marketing materials. This is very handy if you're creating marketing on a regular basis. Another great feature of the Canva Pro is that you can add team members to your account and they can use your same color palette and font palette and your same design template. This will allow everyone on your team to quickly and easily stay on brand with all of the marketing materials that they produce for your brand. 
social media. Social media is a place that is a great, highly visible place to showcase your brand. Having your professionally designed logo, your business name, your business website, your professional business email address, and your business phone number are great ways to show that you are a professional and that your brand means business. You want to, again, make sure that you have different size logos. That way you can use them in the different areas on your social media. Some profile pictures are better for you to be photoed there, your, you and or your team. And maybe the background image has your logo. Or maybe you want to use your logo in the profile picture and then have a background image of something else. These are the kind of brand decisions that you will have to make as a business owner. And you may consult with a designer or a marketer such as myself to help with professional brand design and strategy. Once you have the basics and you've got your colors dialed in on your social media sites and you're linking back to your professional business website and you have the same logo and color scheme on your website, you now have a nice consistent brand voice going online and this builds huge credibility for you and your business. Now, as you start to create content for your social media, you want to make sure that you're using all those same consistent elements, such as your color palette, your font palette, any type of tone with your marketing messages that will help you stay on brand and develop a relationship with your target market. So let's discuss marketing tone. Tone. Your marketing tone is going to be specific to the target market you want to attract. Are they a serious group? Are they a fun group? Are they looking to you for expert advice on how to get out there and be social? Are they looking for expert advice on how to deal with the loss of a loved one? Each of these different target markets would appreciate a different type of tone in your marketing. Being consistent is really important when we are building rapport and credibility with people in our target market. And having the right tone is important to let them know that we understand what they're looking for, what they need, what their problems are, and that we are in a position to help them. Having a good tone is something that takes some practice for some of us, and we can just start by getting our content out there and seeing what resonates the most with our target market. What kind of feedback do we get? What kind of responses or questions come out of that? Which content gets the most engagement? This kind of marketing by creating content and putting it out there <coughs> allows us to get a better sense of the tone that is most effective with our target market.
once we have established a good tone and our brand and we are consistent, it becomes easier to outsource elements of our marketing. Some people will say that as a business owner, you should never fully outsource your marketing because you should always be aware of what is going out there and what is being said. However, at a certain point, we can't do it all. And we may need to hire people to help us create content and to help us grow our brand. If we are in a position where we need help growing our presence online or offline, then the more of this branding information we have put together, the easier it will be for a marketer to come in and help grow your brand. They will be able to see the color palette to use, the font templates to use, the design templates, the tone, and be able to jump in and create content within that brand's voice. This is really important as you grow and scale your brand that your brand has a clear voice and that people instantly recognize it. So now you've learned the basics of building your brand and some strategies for leveraging other brands to boost your brand and align it with other brands that have similar goals. I hope you've enjoyed this program on branding. And if you are looking for some more professional advice and guidance on starting your brand or taking it to the next level, please email me, Winston at finderflow.com. Winston, the finderflow guy, is me. And you may have heard in my marketing or seen my marketing where I sign off as Winston, the finderflow guy, with it. And that is a personal brand that allows people to associate me, Winston, the personality, so to speak, of this brand. And it helps people get a sense of who and what I'm about. If you like my straightforward speaking and my relaxed but get it done kind of attitude and fun and flowingness, then maybe my brand is a brand that you like and you want to do business with it. So I try to always be aware of who I'm speaking to when I'm podcasting, when I'm writing books, when I'm creating my TV shows. And that way, I'm always on brand for my brand and for the people who enjoy my brand. And for people who want to be associated with it, they can by getting in touch with me. And we talk to see, okay, yeah, you would be a great guest on the podcast or in the book. And we go from there. So if and people get consulting with me, and I'm able to help them build their brands. And sometimes their brands have nothing to do with Finder Flow. And we never showcase that connection publicly. Yet, they understand my style and how I work because of my personal brand. And I'm able to bring that to them and help them develop their brand, which again, may have nothing to do with Finder Flow. But because they understand who I am and what I'm about in the Finder Flow brand, they understand that I'm in a position to help them. So that's some 
ways that you may start to think about branding yourself. How do you get across what you're trying to say or what you do? What do people think of you when they think of your brand? What are three words that come to mind? You can ask people who are familiar with your product or service or brand, what are the three words that come to mind? And then write those down. And those can be great ways to really help you get clear about who your brand is for and how you should position it. So thanks again. If you want more help, you can email me, Winston at findyourflow.com. And if you are ready to launch your business and take it to the next level, branding is definitely a great way to be able to do that. So I encourage you to practice it, to study it, to put these strategies to work for yourself in your own business. And until next time, my friend, be flowing. Well, thanks for listening, friend. By the way, do you have a story that you would like to share with other flowers? Maybe you'd like to put it in a book. Well, go to findyourflow.com forward slash author club and learn how you can publish your own book or become a published author in the Find Your Flow book series. Simply go to findyourflow.com forward slash author club, all one word, and be sure to join the free Facebook group while you're at it. Thanks, friend. And until next time, be flowing.